For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Morning Show. The Home Team. No, it's both. It's The Crossover with Sam Franco and Chris Brave. Crossover, step back! <laughs> Right here on 960theref.com. What's up, everybody? Sam Franco, Chris Brain. It is episode 40 of the Crossover Podcast here on 960theref.com. When do we start getting paid to do this? I know, right? Yeah, that's the uh, main question that both of us have. But we continue to press on in the hopes that maybe that'll come in some form of like back payment. So uh, we'll uh, just go ahead and uh, dive right in today. Plenty of good stuff to get to. And before we dive into topics we're actually going to spend a lot of time on, uh, which include the NFL draft, kind of looking forward to that with the combine coming up and everything, and some of the projections on where Georgia guys are going to go, we'll take a look at that. Uh, We'll also uh, take a look at the Braves as they head into spring training. They're getting ready to start another season. What exactly does that mean? How good will this team be? Uh, I think the Vegas numbers say somewhere around 75 wins, which is kind of what they've been the past few seasons. Yeah, I saw the Braves, uh, what were their, their mantras, basically, to exceed expectations. There you I'm go. like, well, I mean, when the expectations are so low, wouldn't you have, I mean, a higher goal? Like, maybe it'd actually be really good or something. So but. if the Falcons were embracing the suck last year, then the Braves will be trying to uh, overshoot the suck, maybe? I or? guess so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, just exceed the already low expectations that people have for the team. So we'll get into them, and uh, we'll get into a pretty good start for the Georgia baseball team in their weekend series against Georgia Southern. We're recording this on Wednesday. I know by the time it comes out Thursday morning, they will have either won or lost against Kennesaw State, but we'll mainly just reflect on what they did uh, against Georgia Southern and having a pretty good series. So we'll do all that, but first, this past weekend... The national anthem was disrespected in a way <laughs> it, it was. that it has never been disrespected before. A lot of people are getting mad at Colin Kaepernick for disrespecting the national anthem. I'm taking it a step further, and I say, I'm going to say what Fergie did, because she was actually performing it, was way more disrespectful towards the national anthem than anything I've ever seen. It, it was a bad performance, and um, I mean, it was a, I, I, I was actually watching it, and I changed the channel after she, oh, say, can you see, and then when she pulled, like, the, you know, the, the drawn out, by the dons, yeah. <laughs> I went like, okay, this isn't going well, and I changed the channel, and I don't remember what I turned to. Oh, but, why'd you change the channel? Well, because it was uncomfortable, and I could, te- <laughs> I could tell it was going to be uncomfortable. And like a few, I mean, like, it, it, it seemed like a while later, but then my aunt texted me and went, this is all anybody's going to be talking about from this all-star game. And I flipped back and like, she was still singing it. Mm-hmm. And I did, I mean, the thing clocked in at like two minutes and 37 seconds. So when I say like, I feel like I changed the channel for a couple of minutes, I did. And when I went back, she was still singing and. Um, you know, like I, I saw Draymond Green with that, uh, that grin and all that, but, um, yeah, it was, 
I've I've said before, like I don't even I don't think the 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 national anthem needs to be played before every sporting event. I mean, it's not played before any before every other like entertainment. You go to a show on Broadway, they don't do the anthem. You go to a movie, they're not doing the anthem. But for whatever reason, sporting events is like this one form of entertainment that we all uh, consume. That they feel like the the national anthem needs to be played before it. But when you see like what 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 Fergie did, and like even in the past, what like Roseanne has done to it, or Carl Lewis, it's just like. I mean, you know, it's that that's sort of the point of like, well, there's, you know, why are you going to do it after yeah. before every single thing? Because it just kind of like, um, you know, waters it down then. Yeah. And I'll say this, like, I understand everybody trying to do their own spin because the national anthem is something that's done a lot and maybe they want to be remembered for it. But at the same time, like, you've got to have common sense to know this isn't a song that I need to sing like I'm trying to seduce the prime minister or something like that. You yeah. know what I mean? It was like, like Marilyn Monroe singing happy birthday to JFK. Exactly. I mean, just very sultry, very smoky, sensuous, uncomfortable is yeah. the best word. Then you used that word a minute ago. And I just, I just didn't understand. Like, And Dave and I have talked about this in the morning show. It's like, it's kind of like Butch Jones with the trash can at Tennessee. He came up with that idea or somebody came up with that idea and he approved it. There wasn't one person in the room that was like, hey, coach, that's a bad idea. And it's almost like with with Fergie, who has to have been rehearsing this for a couple weeks leading up to it. You don't just go in there and sing it. So there wasn't somebody in her inner circle, her entourage, whatever, that was like, hey, yo, uh, Fergalicious, uh, that, that might be a bad idea to sing this song like that. No, because she's a pop diva, so there's probably no one that's surround that she surrounds herself with that could tell her no, other than maybe like Will I Am or something. Right. Well, he, that's the thing. Like but, her contemporaries, and I don't know if they knew about how she was going to do it going into it. I doubt it. Good grief! Yeah. Like that was one of the worst things, and she, the way that she was stressing certain so like banana, yeah, yeah, way, yeah. Like I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah, here's, like, I, She's like, I guess she's an artist, and so she figured, like, I'm going to attempt to put my different spin on it, but that's just not a song you do But is do she, that. though, she's, like, in terms of an artist? Like, because she's not, when you listen to her music, she's not, like, a classically trained singer, it no, doesn't but sound I mean, like, and she's more popish, and there's a lot of auto-tune and stuff like that, so. Still, I mean, I, I, you know, yes, I mean, I consider her an artist, whether you like her music or not, and so she's trying to, you know, put a, her own spin on it, but that's just <laughs> not a song that I think you should be putting your own spin on it. Like, Pink... The way she belted it out of the Super Bowl. That's how that song needs to be handled. Well, I almost think that at this point, we need to ditch people singing it. Like, before the Georgia basketball game this past Saturday, the performers of the National Anthem were like some UGA like trombone ensemble. And I was talking about this with people at baseball the next day. I was talking about it with people at the basketball game. That's like the best National Anthem I've ever heard in my life. It yeah. was really good, really classy. And you don't have that opportunity Really, for somebody to take an artistic license, I guess. Maybe other than like when Jimi Hendrix played it on the electric guitar. But that is widely regarded as one of the better national anthems. Right, and Carlos Santana's done it. He did it as well. uh, Golden State Warriors games. Metallica did it at a Warriors game, too. Slash has done it uh, before Dodgers games. But yeah, they're... Even like these guys that you would think aren't... You don't think are like super patriotic or like you don't think of as like, you know, national anthem type people like a Slash or a Santana because they're playing it with their instrument. You know, it sounds really, really nice. Yeah. The um, years ago, there there used to be this kid that uh, they would have out at Georgia baseball games every now and then who played it on a, a trumpet. And yeah. he just, 
Like, he was cool. I think he went to Athens Academy or something, but he had these shades on, and he would have a hat on, and then he, you know, he'd put the hat on the ground, and he would just belt that thing out in like a minute, and it was done. It was awesome. He was really good and talented, but um, I... Uh, but you know, yeah. I mean, to me, that's like that's how the anthem should be. Maybe uh, we should just should get away from people singing it. And I know that there have been some great singers of the national anthem over the years. Lady Gaga did a really good job before the Super she Bowl. She was a few fantastic. Years ago. Pink was fantastic. But that's the thing, you know. I mean, if you're going to have someone like Fergie do it and, and really try something different with it, it, it fell flat on its face. And the camera shots got laughter, like you mentioned earlier, from Draymond Green, Jimmy Kimmel. Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, I mean, all these guys are shown laughing during the National Anthem. And that's the thing, you can't have that either. And I know it's they're not laughing at the National Anthem, they're laughing at how ridiculously bad this person is performing it. Yes. But still, that's not a good look. When you they're disrespecting people. the anthem by uh, laughing during it, though, no? They are, but then again, it's not their fault. You know, I don't blame oh, I them. I know, I'm kidding. Yeah, I, I but... know what you're saying, but I'm just saying, like, it was just awful. So You know what else disrespects the flag, though, is like when the Houston Astros, when they uh, won the World Series last year, and that one dude was wearing American flag Speedos. Oh, yeah, and like, like yeah, the... <laughs> the flag does get that's the thing we pick and choose when we want to be offended by the yes. use of the flag I would like to point out that he, that Houston Astro disrespected the flag more than any kneeling uh, NFL player has yeah or like when, even when like an Olympian like gets draped in the American flag and then they like take a knee and like sink to the ground or like the flag's touching the ground you know the American flag is never supposed, not supposed to, to touch, touch the ground, ground in right? fact I had a friend of mine who was in the Navy and um there was like one night we were driving past this park and it was like in the middle of the night mm-hmm. and the flag was still up. Mm-hmm. And now apparently the flag isn't supposed to be displayed. Dark, right? Well, if it is displayed at night, there has to be a light, a light. shining you have to be on sure, it, right, right? right? It was just dark and there was no light shining on it. So he pulled in and like took the flag down and like took it home. Good for him. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. And military men know, or military people rather, know the traditions of the flag about as well as anyone. Yeah, but he stole the flag, though. He, yeah. did, he, took, it, he took it home with him. And look, look, I, I, you guys know, I, I post this on social media a lot. I love my nephew to death, um, but, you know, my grandfather, when he passed away, uh, the military came out, and they did, like, the gun salute, and then they gave us the triangle fold flag, you know, and we put it in the display case. And I was at my grandma's house the other day, and my nephew was, like, trying to mess with it and, like, pull it. And I kept telling him, no, don't do that. No, don't do that. You can't mess with that. And finally, I kind of snapped. I was like, hey, stop doing that. And he started crying. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to make you cry. But at the same time, you know, yeah. you have to learn at an early age. Don't mess with the flag. Don't disrespect the flag, Don't kid. disrespect the flag. Yeah. So uh, definitely a, a very interesting start to the All-Star game, which overall I thought the All-Star game was one of the better ones uh, I've seen just in terms of the competitiveness. Um, I know that I, I had kind of said that it was nice to see pockets of defense at times, although Dave told me your take was, I don't know how much defense it was. Right? These guys were just playing horribly and missing shots and taking bad shots and, and throwing the ball away. That's how I felt. I mean, it was like they were just trying trick shots, a lot of passes. I mean, there was one time they just – someone. I mean, someone heaved the ball down court and there were like two other – I mean, there were two guys standing in front right. of – and they just – it was like an interception. And so, yeah, to me, I, I, didn't, I didn't see it as much as like those guys were actually playing like hard defense. There I were the some was, pockets of defense, though. Like there was one time late on in the game – when uh, Kevin Durant and LeBron like trapped Steph Curry and like so it was nice to see a little bit more competitive juice the dunk contest had its moments but still kind of fell flat like Victor Oladipo should never be allowed to dunk again he he had Chadwick Boseman the black freaking panther sitting courtside and he gives him the, the Chadwick Boseman gives him the black panther mask and he 
goes on to like fail his dunks like twice and then finally uh-huh. puts one in. It's like, dude, you can't do something like that if you're going to screw up so much. Yeah, that's got to be a really good dunk. Especially dad. when the star of the movie is the one that gave you the yeah. mask. Yeah, I watched the first quarter of the game and I... I just felt I found it. I felt it was boring. I turned it off. Yeah, like, I mean, there was definitely those moments, and and you know, I, I think that it was more intriguing just because of the way that they approached it. But also, Kevin Hart, you need to take a step away from Hollywood for a little bit. You didn't think it was funny when he was yelling at Kyrie Irving, "Hey, man, the Earth is round." That was funny, but I'm just saying, oversaturation. That it's little too much of him. Well, that thing that he did with like Rob Riggle and and other people. I didn't catch that part. That was I, awful. I saw that when he was introducing the lineup. Well, right, but that was even before that. It was like a 20 minute musical just about like Kevin Hart. It, it was awful. So, oh, yeah. you know, That's just step much. away for a little bit. Maybe let people forget about you and then come make a big comeback. But you said that the gimmick did work, though, because I that's the only reason I even bothered to tune in in the first place. But they, they got to televise it. The draft. They, should, they did televise the draft, yeah. But like, but the gimmick did work because it got me to at least watch the game and give it a try. And um, But, I mean, after the first quarter, I just I just thought it was a, it was a bad game. It was boring because I flipped it off. We haven't uh, talked much NBA on the crossover mainly because the Hawks have been terrible. So it's yeah. been kind of nice. Well, they're doing what they need to do. They need to suck. And they are. They do. Yeah. They do. Although, Probably not draft Trey Young anymore. Oklahoma and Trey Young have taken a nosedive recently. What is it? Not six, six straight losses are sitting on as we talk now. Yeah, and uh, Trey Young got held to what? Like I think it was like eleven points or something the other night in their blowout loss to Kansas. So yeah, from a guy that was like the next Steph Curry, let's pump the brakes a little bit. Well, and then even you know Marvin Bagley's been out the last couple games for Duke, so yeah. he's been hurt. Luka Doncic, Real Madrid forward. That's who the That's Hawks who need to want? draft. Yes. What about the big seven footer at Arizona, Aiton? Yeah, I just don't. I just don't think size, like in terms of like normal traditional size, is something you need to be focused on anymore. If you're going to go size, you need to go one of these new wave bigs like Joel Embiid, like Ben Simmons, right? They can step out and shoot. Yeah, because that's the way the NBA is going now. And Luka Doncic is kind of one of those guys, one of those Euro bigs that can step out and shoot. I mean, all I know of this guy is what I've seen on YouTube because I've seen him kind of linked with the Hawks in terms of mock drafts. What I've seen on YouTube is really nice. I don't know if it would work out in the NBA, right. but looks pretty good. Well, I mean, so, did, you know, those European guys, I mean, there have been enough of them that have come to the States and been, you know, star players that I don't yeah. think you could just, like, pan them because eh, no. they play in Europe. Right. No, I, th- I think it could be successful, but we'll see what the Hawks do. Um, moving along now to preparations for the NFL draft, and one of the dumbest quotes... I've ever heard related to an NFL prospect in my life comes to us from supposedly one of the smartest men in terms of personnel decisions in the NFL or related to the NFL, and that's Bill Polian, former Colts GM, obviously the architect of or one of the architects of Peyton Manning's time in Indy. Uh, basically, he was asked about Lamar Jackson, and he says that Lamar Jackson is better suited as a wide receiver in the NFL. Right. And here's his justification, which again. One of the dumbest things He's ever been read. on this kick the whole time. And uh, there is a dot, dot, dot here in the quote I'm reading, so there is some stuff left out, but right. you'll get the gist. The more you see him with the ball in his hands, the more you're going to say, i got to find more ways to get this guy the ball in his hands. That translates to another position. Timeout. No, it doesn't. <laughs> get the ball in his hands more. The quarterback touches the ball every play unless there's a direct snap or a punt or something. Like, wow, yes. what, what a stupid thing to say. Well, he also commented the other day, apparently, that uh, he didn't think Jackson was uh, tall enough to play quarterback in the NFL. And, like, he's six foot three. And um, 
So, I mean, he's more than tall enough to play quarterback in the NFL. Oh, so Russell Wilson at what, like 5'11", 6'1"? Yeah. Like, you know, I, I, I think he's been just – he's been corrupted, unfortunately, and his brain has been compromised <laughs> by the ESPN hot take machine, maybe, because, I mean, along with the Colts, don't forget, he was also the architect of those 90s Buffalo Bills teams. That's true. But even when he's thinking that the Eagles shouldn't even entertain offers for Nick Foles unless it includes two ones and two twos, this is a guy Nobody's that traded – doing that. No, absolutely not. And he's a guy who traded a Hall of Fame running back, Marshall Falk, in his prime for a second and a fifth round pick. And now he's, he thinks that a guy in Nick Foles who's been cut like four different times, you should only get a, a two ones and two twos for him. I, I don't know. I mean, he's – ESPN, I think, is – they've uh, – <laughs> They've, the hot take machine. The dark side has corrupted his I mind. Think, yeah, I think it has. But the, he's been on that Lamar Jackson kick the whole time. And I get it. There's no way he's ever watched Lamar Jackson play. Well, no. I mean, not if he thinks, A, he's short, and B, that in order to get a quarterback the ball in his hands more, he needs to switch to a different position. Yeah. Or How when, are you going to yeah. touch the ball more as a wide receiver than a quarterback? Or when you're worried <laughs> that the guy is like, you know, that he's run first, run first when he's he's not. I mean, Lamar, yeah. Jackson, he, Lamar Jackson can run if he needs to, but in that offense at Louisville, no. He looked to throw the ball first, and he threw it a ton there. Yeah. Well, we've talked about this a little bit on this podcast, a crossover on 960theref.com. Sam Franco, Chris Brain with you. You and I, I think, both agree that Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson are the two most talented quarterbacks in this draft. That's Yeah, those are the, who I like. And Mayfield seems to be moving up now a lot he of these mock drafts. He does. And, and, and here's the thing about like a Baker Mayfield. It's like, especially having been at the Rose Bowl and, and watching it in person, I was blown away with, by that kid in-game. Just watching like him orchestrate that offense, watching him make quick decisions, watching him escape, watching him extend plays. I mean... He's not He's not Johnny Manziel. He's not Russell Wilson. He's not any of these guys. He's Baker Mayfield. I, I made this comparison. I think this is a pretty accurate comparison uh, on the morning show with uh, David Johnson the other day. It's, I think he's like Alex Smith body with Brett Favre brain. Like a guy that can move. You know, Alex Smith isn't right. the... The, well, the far like, part worries me, though. Well, but, but gunslinger, though. And that's what I mean. Like a guy that's willing to take risks. I'm not saying he has the Brett Favre arm, and he's probably not going to rely on his arm or be overly confident in his arm to where he's going to make too many mistakes. That's what Brett Favre's biggest problem was, was he was overly confident in his arm. And Baker Mayfield doesn't have that kind of arm. But he's got the Alex Smith kind of style in terms of the arm strength isn't great, but it's good enough to, to move the ball. He can he, He's mobile, but not overly mobile. He can make plays with his feet when he needs to, but isn't going to rely on that overly or, or be too concerned with that so I, I kind of feel like that that's an, an accurate comparison he's much more of a playmaker and gunslinger than an Alex Smith though yeah I you know I've I've liked him the whole time and the other point about the Rose Bowl is he was doing what he was doing against an excellent defense right. that's gonna have Roquan Smith's probably gonna go in the top 10 of the draft um uh, Lorenzo Carter Davin Bellamy are gonna get drafted Adam Sanders is gonna get drafted um, I'm sure I'm leaving someone out. John Atkins is probably going to get drafted. He's been invited to the uh, to the combine, so uh, it's going to be a big a big draft for a lot of those guys on Georgia's defense and um, and Mayfield that first half. I mean, now it was a chess match, and 
you know, Kirby versus Lincoln Riley. They went into the locker room, and Kirby definitely figured some stuff out. And what they have? One offensive touchdown in the uh, second half of that game? So Georgia's defense locked him down, but you know Mayfield was a huge. He was he was the difference in that game, and yeah, I mean that thing to me it was like Deshaun Watson those two years against Alabama's defense is why I thought like Watson was a guy the NFL needed to draft. It's like just look what he did against that defense, and so what Mayfield did against Georgia's defense, you know, just adds to how impressed. Uh, you know, I was by yeah. by what I saw in the Rose Bowl. Watson, that's a great point in, in the sense that he's doing this against top-level defenses. And one point that Dave made to me that I really agree with is you look at Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen. All three of those guys play for teams where probably 95% of the time their team had better players than the other team they were playing against in college. True. Fair. Yes. Baker Mayfield made the most of that. You know who didn't? Donald Rosen. No. Um, and they were playing against about as bad a defense as Oklahoma was most of the time. But the difference is, like you said, when Oklahoma played against a really good defense in Georgia, Baker Mayfield was not the reason they lost. And I watched the USC UCLA game a little bit of it last fall, and I, what was, the halftime score was like thirteen to six or something. I mean, it was like so. Here were Darnold and Rosen. You're looking at these two premier like NFL prospects, and neither one of them was doing anything against the other, the opposing defense. Um, you know, it's, before we started doing this, I, I I think one of those either McShay or Mel Kiper had a uh, another edition, the latest edition of his mock draft, and did have and had Rosen getting drafted I think by the Dolphins at number 11 which really disturbs me but um but the point there with Rosen is suddenly like his stock appears to be plummeting so and Mayfields is going up and that's yeah that's the funny thing about the whole draft process is these guys now won't have played a a down of football for however many months and they somehow their stock is right you know lowering and rising so Rosen went from a guy that was like the Browns or the Giants are going to take him at either one or number two, and now they've got like the Dolphins grabbing him at number eleven. Please do not do that, Dolphins. <laughs> Please do not take that guy. Especially because uh, losing faith already in Ryan Tannehill. Well, absolutely, that's no doubt about that. My my <laughs> my dream is that Mayfield is available there, but I don't think he's going to be. I think Probably not. I mean Mayfield's going to end up being gone. I would take Lamar Jackson. I like Lamar Jackson too. Yeah, but... well, that's the thing. We, we, although if they take Lamar Jackson, you think they'll put him at wide receiver so he can touch the ball more? Well, knowing the Dolphins, they probably would. Yeah. See, that would be the funny thing. Their <laughs> their quarterback was a receiver in college. And they made him a quarterback, and then they would take this guy who was a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback in college and put him at receiver. That would be a, a very Dolphins thing to do. That's Sounds mad Dolphins ish. Yeah, well, I, w- I wouldn't mind him taking Roquan Smith. I'd sign off on that too. Oh, no doubt. They about got Raquan McMillan, so they could have Raquan and Roquan at both the, from Georgia at linebacker. Yeah, yeah be, uh, both from Georgia. One of them played here. The uh, other one didn't. And one of them almost didn't play here. Thank goodness for the Falcons hiring away that UCLA linebackers coach. Well, yeah. Well, he was their defensive coordinator, and he's the Falcons. That's right. But still, thank you. Well, thank and you listen, Falcons. we got to give credit to like Jeremy Pruitt for that too, because when well, he swooping in, when he committed to UCLA, Georgia didn't just say, "All right, we're up. done." They were like, "Hey, you know that? You know that your coordinator's leaving, right?" What? Yeah. Yeah, All right. You know, he took the Falcons' job. On to Athens, I go. Yeah. So yeah, it was a, a very uh, nice get for the dogs. Uh, right there. A um, couple more things on the NFL. I know I said we are going to talk about the Braves. I lied. We're not going to talk about the we Braves. We mentioned them. We, we mentioned them a little the bit. Uh, uh, yeah, that's true. That their plan is to exceed the very low expectations everyone has for them. We're not going to go any more in depth on the Braves because I have a couple more NFL draft questions before we jump to some Georgia baseball. Or, or I guess not questions, but topics. 
first and foremost, Mel Kuyper's Mach 2.0 came out today. He's still got Josh Allen number one. It's like, dude, come on. The dude with the big arm and 50-something percent completion percentage playing against also Rands most of the time. It's like, dude. That guy ain't going number one. Well, and this is uh, this continues to be the question I, I ask now about these mock draft projections. Are these is Mel Kiper projecting Josh Allen is going to go number one because Mel Kiper believes Josh Allen is the best quarterback in the draft? Well, it's like he 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 got on that ship and he's going to sink with it. Well, but here's the other thing: or is Mel Kiper projecting Josh Allen is going to go number one because the Cleveland Browns own oh. that pick and they don't know what they're doing, so they would <laughs> they would take Josh Allen if they take Josh Allen number one overall. The NFL should probably go in there and strip them of a franchise. Move, move that team somewhere else. Yeah, it's but, and that's so that that's my that would be my question I'd have for Mel Kiper. It's like, do you think he's going number one because you genuinely think he's the best prospect or the best quarterback of the draft, or you just think he's going number one because the Browns have that pick and they're and they would make the worst possible pick, which that would be. Well, he made some interesting comparisons to Stafford. Stafford had a completion percentage in the 50s in his time at Georgia in the three years he was yeah. here. He played in the SEC. I was going to say, there's a big difference in having that completion percentage in the SEC and having it in, what, the Mountain West, I believe is where Wyoming is. So, you know, I, if, he, if he goes number one, whatever. And here's the other thing. Because the Cleveland Browns are so dumb, if you were the Philadelphia Eagles and you got a phone call from the Cleveland Browns, and they were like, hey, we'll give you the number one overall pick and our first second round pick for Carson Wentz. And you're the Eagles. You just saw Nick Foles win a Super Bowl for you. Are you thinking, I mean, I think you have to think hard about that. I know that it would be really weird PR-wise because Wentz has built up some fans and built up a fan base. But at the same time, if you're Eagles fans, you got to be like, well, we could get a really high second round pick and a really high, uh, you know, first round pick, maybe the number one, maybe the number four, for a quarterback who is a good quarterback. But as we just saw, we didn't need him to win the Super Bowl. True, but I don't, I don't think you could do that if you're Philadelphia. I, the, the the thing with Nick Foles is like the time keeps going on now between the Super Bowl and you know where we are right. present day. Is what's the what do you think is closer to the truth about who Nick Foles is? Is he that guy? who had one really good month of, of play, and it was a huge month. I mean, they won three playoff games. Well, they won two playoff games and then the Super Bowl. Well, and go back to 2013, too, because he had a really good pocket of play back then. Yeah, I know. I mean, he's not awful, but he is still a guy who has been, like, cut by four different NFL teams. Now, one of those teams was, was coached by Jeff, Jeff Fisher. Fisher. So, Thank you for bringing that but up. And, but Andy Reid cut him, got rid of him, too. And the Eagles, I guess, had previously gotten rid of him mm-hmm. also. So... Um, you know, I mean, that's the thing with Foles. It's like, where, what is the reality of Foles? Is he, is he the guy we just saw for three games in January and the first Sunday in February, or is he, you know, the truth lies yeah. probably somewhere in between. I was right. going to say, he's probably somewhere in the middle, but I think the right, trade, I don't think you could get rid of Wentz. I think the hypothetical trade would at least be worth exploring, because if you're Philadelphia, you're kind of playing with house money right now. Well, you just won old, the Super Bowl. But how old is Foles now? He's like 29 or 30? Yeah, I mean, he's up there. I mean, he's so, but I mean, he's, so he's got potentially some good years left, but I don't think you could just, I, I don't think if you're the Eagles, you could just suddenly... Well, I think PR-wise, I don't think your fans would like it very much, but yeah. that's the thing. You know, I think the originally when I originally saw this post was that the Will Kane from ESPN said, if you're the Browns and you have the number one and the number four, you know, what if you offered those the number one and number four to the uh 
Eagles for wins. If you're the, the Eagles and they're offering you one and four, I think you got to take. Well, that. part you know the thing with the Eagles though, and I don't you know I don't know with the with the salary cap. That's something you got to consider. And with these the are NFL. hypotheticals as well. But. Yeah, I mean it's like well, you're gonna have to pay then a number one and a number four. But I mean, the thing with Philadelphia. It's, I mean, that's a really good, well-rounded, solid, and deep team. I mean, the fact that Nick Foles was able to come in and they won the Super Bowl. One of the best defenses in the NFL, great skill position players. They did this without Darren Sproles, keep that in mind. Yeah, and I mean, their offensive line is good. Like You know, a year ago, the Eagles got, remember, the Eagles got off to a hot start in Wentz's rookie season. They beat the Falcons, and that was like the Falcons' worst game they And I remember like the second or the third game of the year last year, they crushed Pittsburgh, Mm -hmm. and but then Lane Johnson, their left tackle, got hurt, and suddenly, like, oddly enough, their rookie quarterback began to struggle. Imagine that. Until they beat the Falcons. So the uh, the NFL draft coming up between now and then in the combine, we'll have plenty of talk about that. As I know, Brain loves watching guys uh, work out uh, for hours at a time. At the I'll, NFL I'll be combine. interested this year, I guess, in keeping you know tabs on what the Georgia guys do or whatever. And the quarterbacks, because I think there's a real disconnect between a lot of smart NFL people in terms of who the best quarterbacks are. Yeah, but I mean, I'm, I've seen those quarterbacks in college, so I still lean on what I what I watched them do in college, and that's even my position on these Georgia guys. It's like, what is Sony Michelle going to prove to me when he goes to the combine and like runs the 40 or you know does the hopscotch or whatever they do there? It's like, <laughs> the guy can play. Yeah, All no, you got to do, if you want to watch what Sony can do, just put that tech game on, and there, were like, there was the one play where he juked the, uh, the tech defender and scored a touchdown, and then there was that other play. It was a third down. And they had three guys in the backfield. Looked like they were going to hit him for a loss. And, um, you know, I mean, the next thing you know, he just, like, wiggles. Yep. It's a little sidestep. Looked like a video game. And um, he hit the Y button and was moved on for a first down. All right, last but not least on this edition of the crossover, really quickly we'll hit Georgia baseball. Great se- uh, season opening series there against Georgia Southern. You get the win. You win two out of three. Uh, your starting pitchers looked really good all weekend. I thought Kevin Smith looked really good Friday. Emerson Hancock, the freshman, was very good Saturday. I, honestly, they didn't win on Saturday because the bullpen uh, wasn't able to hold it. And then Sunday, Chase Atkins with six scoreless innings, I thought, looked really, really good as well. So a uh, big question mark was going to be Georgia starting pitching. They looked good. I think the offense looked pretty good for an opening series. Now I just think we've got to figure out the bullpen situation. Yeah, because if Georgia didn't rally in the ninth inning Sunday, they'd have they'd have ended up losing two games where their starting right. pitchers didn't give up a run, right. and to have squandered those two starts would have been, I mean, really, I it's I know it's early in the season, but it would have felt like a disaster to coming off a year where Georgia was at no point above five hundred to 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 be sitting there maybe one and two and drop your opening series with the starts they got Saturday and Sunday would have just uh, really cast this season already in a pretty negative light, but. Uh, you know, the big takeaway for me I, I saw was the, the team walked 10 guys this weekend, mm-hmm. and that was the between walks and wild pitches and hit batters. They had batters. 10 walks in the first game last year. Yeah, exactly. And then, like, hitting batters last year, balks and those kinds of things. I mean, there were just so many free bases that pitching staff gave up. So it was a, you know, a, a good sign coming out of the first weekend. And I think this team's going to be led by, in terms of offense, they're two, three, four hitters. So you got Keegan McGovern in the two spot. Camp Shepard in the three spot, Michael Curry in the four spot. Oh, they all had good weekends. Oh, so, huge, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I mean, if they if Georgia's going to have a much better season this year, it's going to be those guys that carry them on offense. It's going to be the starting pitchers, the weekend guys, if they can continue to pitch well. 
And then, you know, Coach Strickland has to figure some stuff out with the bullpen in terms of finding that right mix of guys to put in in certain situations. But I really liked what I saw this weekend. And again, the resiliency on Sunday to come back after Keegan McGovern puts you up two and then Southern scraps back in to go into the bottom of the ninth and fight back and win that game. Again, you, you like to see that kind of stuff early in the season. Yeah, and McGovern drew a big walk. Shepard had the sack fly. Yep. Shepard, what was he, four for four on opening night? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, like McGovern hit a home run too. So I think we knew going into the season between McGovern, Shepard, and Curry, Georgia did have like three pretty potent bats there. You know, the rest of the lineup, we'll see how it ends up shaping up. But, you know, the biggest question mark for me was that from last year, I thought it was the, the pitching and he got a new pitching coach, and I think after the first weekend of the season, there was definitely a, a more encouraging sense you're getting out of that now. He's Chris Bram. I'm Sam Franco. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of The Crossover. 40 episodes in the books. Kind of hard to believe. And uh, we'll inch closer to 50 next time with episode 41 right here on 960theref.com. Thank you so much for listening. Back next week. Talk to you all then. You've been listening to The Crossover with Sam Franco and Chris Brain on 960theref.com.